0: Hey everyone. Welcome to another episode of Coffee with Jesus. Today we're going to be speaking into something that seems natural but isn't always the best thing for us. Sometimes our natural response to something is not always the best response. I want to ask the question, what do we do or what should we do after we experience setbacks, failures, or defeats? So the title for today's uh, podcast is The Next Thing After Falling. The Next Thing After Falling. How do we get back on our feet? What do we do? How do we take back ground? What do we tend to do after we've fallen? If you're new to our podcast, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. To all of those who listen week in and week out, thank you once again for joining us. As far as possible, every Tuesday we release this podcast. And the point of this time together is just to spend 10, 15 minutes, whether in your car, dropping your kids off at work, on your way to, uh, dropping your kids off at school, on your way to work, perhaps while you're at gym or even at home over a cup of coffee or tea. Let's spend 10, 15 minutes together speaking about how we can become more like Jesus. So if you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast on whichever platform you're on, perhaps give it a share on social media, and let's get into it. As I mentioned, we're going to be speaking into what we do immediately after we experience a setback, a failure, or a defeat. And I think this is important because no one in this world has a perfect record. No one goes through life unbeaten. No one goes through life unscathed. The question is not will we get beaten, the question then becomes what do we do after the moment when we fall? What do we do after that moment where we've been knocked down? Or perhaps what do we do after we've been retrenched? What do we do after that relationship doesn't end the way we wanted it to? After our project collapses, after our kids go off the rails, after that idea doesn't take off? What do we do after we feel like we've taken a blow? Now, this may sound a bit weird because the Bible does tell us that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. And so we should be living in a place from victory. We should be experiencing the victory of God but that doesn't mean that we're going to go through life without experiencing any setbacks. That is not what that passage is trying to tell us. All of us know what it's like to have a relationship breakdown or to have an idea squashed or simply just to get stuff wrong. Today I want to look at a pattern that we see in the Old Testament, especially with the kings of Judah. The place for me that this is the most evident is with a king named Manasseh. Manasseh, we are told, follows his father Hezekiah, who was a phenomenal king. He ended with a bit of pride, but overall he was a good king. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Then in the introduction to 2 Chronicles chapter 33, we read that this new king was 12 years old when he begins to reign. But it says that he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He rebuilt places of idol worship. He reintroduced idolatry, and he wanted to be able to worship whomever he wanted. He built altars, idol altars, in the house of the Lord, which the Lord said should never happen. And we're told that he burned his own sons as an offering in the valley of idolatry. Not a great follow-on from a king that was generally regarded as good. The consequence of all this idolatry was that Judah was destroyed. And he, as king, was taken into exile into Babylon. Now, in Babylon, it says that he prayed to God. He repented. God heard his plea. And it says God brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Now, This is where I think many of us can can associate with this, can find ourselves. So he's gone through a failure. He's failed as a king. He's failed in terms of his own ethic and morality. He's failed in his worship. He's experienced the consequences of all of that. He's been in exile. His people have been conquered. His city's been conquered. And now God brings him back to Jerusalem after he repents. He's back on his own feet and he's been given a second chance. So the question I want us to look at is what does he do with his second chance. It says that he does two things. The first is he rebuilds the wall and he reestablishes the army in terms of its structure. The second thing is that he tried to get rid of all the high places and tried to get rid of all the idols that he had let back in. But the people of Judah kept sacrificing. We are told the people of Judah kept going with their idolatry. This is the part that's interesting to me. A natural response to failure is he returns and he rebuilds the wall and he strengthens his army. This does make sense in the natural. When you experience defeat, what you want to do is make sure that the gaps that the enemy came through are not there anymore. If you've been conquered as a city, you want to rebuild your walls, you want to reinstate your army. You don't want to be vulnerable. You don't want to be open to another failure. So what do we do is we end up strengthening the exterior, the walls, the army. The problem was that Judah did not go into exile because of defective walls, but because of defective worship. The state of their walls didn't lead to them being conquered. The state of their worship did. And that is a massive statement. Think about that again. It wasn't the state of the walls that led to the exile. It was the state of their worship that led to the exile. So when they come back, the fact that they choose to repair the walls first means that they still don't get why they went into exile. And I think in this narrative, there is this beautiful picture of sometimes what we try to do on the other end of failure and defeat. Often what we try to do is we try to close up the external. We try and strengthen the external things because that's where the enemies seem to come in. Let me give you an example. Let's, for instance, say that you have a great relationship. It might be a romantic relationship, a friendship, a relationship with your parents, or whatever the case is. This is the kind of relationship that you depend on. It builds you up, uh, you build the other person up, but then one day, for whatever reason, it just seems to come to an end. All of a sudden, where there was intimacy, there's now distance, and you go through a season of mourning, you navigate the loss of this relationship, you get back on your feet. When you do the autopsy of that failed relationship, it would be easy to attach the cause to an external behavior. We like to know how A plus B equals C. We want to know the cause and effect because if we can identify the cause and we can know the effect, then we can identify what we're not going to do the next time. So let's, for instance, you say you identify a behavior. The temptation is to just change the behavior and then go into another relationship. Let's, for instance, say you are in a romantic relationship and with a boyfriend or girlfriend, it comes to an end. And as you look back, you realize, hey, I was super controlling. Well, what you're going to do in the next one, if we follow this pattern, what you're going to do in your next relationship is simply try to be less controlling. And we think that fixing up that behavior, that weakness, will save us from having to navigate failure again. But what if? What if in the natural, we've got the order the wrong way around? What if... Before looking at external behaviors, we start by looking at our internal worship. Now, what I'm not saying is that you may have gone through a bad relationship or your idea may have failed or whatever the case is because you were involved in idolatry, like Manasseh. That's not what I'm saying, right? What I'm not saying is I know why you failed. It's because you're an idolatry worshiping person. What I am saying is that often our default setting at the end of a failure is to try to prevent future failure through behavior modification. If I can fix what I did then I may not have to go through what I felt. Again, what I'm not saying is that our actions don't matter. We know that what we do matters. What I am saying is that when we experience setback, failure, whatever the case is, should our initial response be internal rather than external? What if at the end of that relationship, instead of fixing your behavior, which may be necessary, what if we started by recalibrating our hearts? in, In other words, What if we started looking at the condition of our hearts and started there rather than the condition of our actions? In other words, using the story of Manasseh, what if before we rebuilt the walls, we rediscovered our worship? I don't know how this applies to you. I don't know whether you're in the midst of going through a setback or a failure. I don't know if you've tried to get yourself up by fixing all the external stuff through behavior modification. I know that there are many people in this world who... Seem to just go from one setback to another and, and with all good intention, what we try to do is we try to fix what we think is wrong with us. We try to fix that behavior. We try to fix that attitude. We try to fix that action. But what if instead of that being our default, we actually took a moment, we paused. And before trying to change the external, we tried to recalibrate the internal. What if we asked ourselves, hey, how's my soul doing? When last did someone ask you about the condition of your soul? How's your soul doing? How's my relationship with God? How is all of that stuff? Because if we can come to a place where that's good, where our worship has been reestablished, our hearts have been recalibrated, then any behavior modification we do make has an internal structure, an internal strength to sustain that change. If all we try to do is change our behavior for the next person, the next project, then if that project fails, we then give up. We think, I'll never do it. I'm never going to be good enough. I'll never be able to change. But if we start with our heart, we can begin to see how important Jesus is. And even in the midst of failure, we can still hold on to the most important person in our world. So I hope this has encouraged you. I hope you're walking away with this, asking the question, hey, if I do go through failure, if I do go through setback, perhaps what I should do first is recalibrate my worship. Have a phenomenal week, everybody. We will see you same time, same place next week.